Yeah, so I am really excited to introduce the speaker tonight. Um, she is someone who is very dear to my heart and has spoken into my life many times. Um, so can we give a huge hand to Karina Lout? Thank you. I think the pleasure's all mine, Misha. Um, hello. Hi. I don't know why I'm a little nervous, but I don't know. Anyway, um, it's so great being married, let me just say. <laughs> let me let you in on a little secret. Um, like, if I have to go up there, I can lean over to Todd and say, is everything okay? Like... Am I clear and all that? But I know it's a little TMI, but we do that. And that's a perk of being married because you can be honest with each other and say, oh, you have like a thing on your forehead or you have a thing in your nose. You have bats in your cave. That's what Todd calls it. So anyway, I know that was kind of gross, but it's awesome being married. Um, anyway, yeah, I feel like sharing this too. Um, one of our old youth kids that I totally respect and, and she's so, she's so great. And she texted me and she said she felt like, um, like the enemy was trying to bring division in marriages. And, um, so I thought that's not okay. And recently I've been thinking about, um, Todd and I, cause we've been married for, um, like 22 years, 22 and a half years now. And, we agree on the big things like raising our kids and stuff like that. Like we really, um, for the most part, agree. But there's a lot of things that we don't agree on and that we're different. And even like we cooked a steak this week and he likes his raw and I like mine, you know, a little more medium well and other things, you know, that we just totally don't see, we, we don't agree on or we're, we're different. And, um, I don't know. I just felt like the Lord was wanting to encourage you, whether you're married or you have a, a close relationship with someone that let some of those little things go. Like it, it's not a big deal. You know, even if you, anyway, I feel like God's more concerned about the big stuff and some things you just have to let go. And, um, he's just wanting to, bring more unity in your marriage. And unity is not about agreement, but it's, you know, we're, we're one by the spirit. So anyway, that was just a little something, something. And, um, yeah, I'm going to do a little potluck cause I like to eat a lot of little bit of everything. <laughs> I love when we do potlucks cause I like to try a bunch of different stuff. And even when we go to a restaurant, I'm like, ooh, I hope that Todd orders that so I can try that and hope someone else orders that. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You hear? So, um, yeah, I do have a message, but uh, I just want to tell a funny story first. Um, so we took our youth group to uh, the Lord's Land. We took them on a trip, and we came back really filled up but really exhausted and, you know, it's like a, a week of highs and lows and no sleep and 
lots of emotional healing and you just come back wiped out and it's really good, but you come back, we usually come back pretty tired. And, um, so I was like, Sierra, Sierra's my daughter. She was up here singing and, um, I was like, I wanted some quality time with her because she, she wasn't with us on the trip. So, um, we went to, uh, Del Val, uh, to go, uh, you know, rent one of those little pedal boats and um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I was like, let's go do this thing and have so much fun and get some exercise. And so we get the pedal boat and um, the guy is really gung-ho and he tells us like, go this way because you're going to go, you know, against the current and you don't want to do that coming back because you're going to be really tired. And then see over there, you got to go pedal over to that little cove and... Um, it's like a cool spot, and and so we're like, yeah, let's do that. It's gonna be restful. We're gonna get over there, and awesome. So, um, where is Sierra? Oh, there she is. Um, so we're like, yeah. So we we pedal all the way over there. We worked really hard, and um, we see the little cove, the little opening, and you know we get in okay. We can see it's a little narrow, but um, there's like big trees that fell over, and then there's like a grass that's like 10 feet tall in the little cove and um so we go through we're like okay it's a little tight but it's really beautiful in here so we we pull in and then um as we're turning around we find like oh my gosh we're not going to make it we can't turn around here and we're going to get stuck and uh it was hysterical i'm like if there's a camera following me and I had my own reality show, I would make so much money because I always have these funny, weird things happen. And so does Todd. But anyway, um, I don't, I'm not sure why I'm telling this, but it was just funny. Uh, so we go in and we can't turn around. So she gets out and like lands in like mud and like junk trying to turn the boat around. And then so she kind of turns it around and I'm like, we didn't fully get there, so then I get out, and uh, I have flip-flops on, and I'm, like, trying to turn the boat around, and then my flip-flops get stuck in the mud, and, like, so, you know, and I'm jumping back on the boat, and then my flip-flops still, like, in the mud. I'm like, ah! Oh! And then uh, there's, like, dead fish and, like, worms and, like, trash and stuff all in there, so you're, like, having to step on the mud and the dead fish and all the just junk there, and... So we were, we tried so hard to turn that thing around. And I'm a good driver, by the way. I am a good driver. But it, it was just tricky. Uh, so then we're, like, reaching out over the side of the boat and, like, trying to move big logs out of the way. And, like, we're not that big. Like, we, we got some muscles, but, like, we just could not turn around for anything. Uh, finally, we get some some movement and... We get the pedal boat to turn around, and um, we're while we're like reaching over and pushing these huge logs down to get over, and hoping we don't ruin the boat. And then we realize, okay, we are just going to have to like mow through the ten foot grass to even get back. So <laughs> I thought this would be so funny for anyone on the other side to see these little girls like pushing through the grass, and then like we just mowed, we plowed through like ten foot grass, and. We made it out alive. It was awesome. But all that to say, you know, when these funny things happen to me, I'm like, God, what's the lesson in it? I wanted to come here to rest, and I ended up working a lot harder than I wanted to. 
But um, God was like, you know, sometimes to encourage you, you might take things a little off-road and, you know, you might be pioneering some things and you're clearing a path for other people So to make it easier. So to encourage you with that, my little, yeah, be encouraged. Um, and then also I was feeling um, during worship, which was so good, that um, God was really wanting to um, close a chasm between what your heart is feeling and what our minds so often are trying to figure out. And, um, you know, sometimes my mind is so noisy, and uh, I call it traffic. Like, uh, there's just so much traffic going on in there, and I feel like... God is really just wanting to um, quiet the noise and to bring communion to your heart and soul. So I pray, Jesus, over each person here that that um, that our hearts and our minds and our soul and spirit would be in communion, that they would be one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that our spirit leads us and... Um, our mind is a great thing, and sometimes um, it's just a little noisy. So I ask right now, Jesus, just any place we're trying to figure things out, and we're not really meant to do that, that you would um, just come and bring your peace and speak to our hearts, and that our hearts would commune with you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So I have a... Ooh, it's not even 8 o'clock yet. Um, I am going to get to my message, but it's a little potluck. Um, so, yeah, we went to the Lord's Land with our youth group, and it's a great place. Um, used to be run by hippies, and then, you know, someone came in, and Jesus just fell. His presence came and evangelized the place, and now it's a YWAM, Youth with a Mission base. And... Um, so we, we take our youth group there, and we had such a good time, and God moved, and we, you know, I just, I love our youth group. I don't want to be all braggy, but it's not, it's not really about us. It's about them. They, we, it's so cool how we can, like, work together. We did, you know, a little bit of labor, but we had so much fun doing it, and we just eat together. We eat a lot and um, cook together, and then we cry together and laugh together, and it's really, you know, what what family looks like. And sometimes you don't even experience that with your your own the families you grew up with. And you're like, wow, this is so cool. And um, and highs and lows. And you know, we had one young man, this precious guy, and he got a horrible sunburn. And we ended up taking him to the ER. And it was our first in all of our years. How many years have we been doing this? Like 10 years or more. First trip to the ER. And, uh, you know, it was scary. But God so worked through that. And looking back, and well, even while it was happening and seeing the kids just surrounding this young man and bringing comfort. And uh, you want to say something? Okay, come on. Come on, honey. And uh, just as a mom... I get, I just come alive when I get to take care of people. And so I got to like, you know, be with him. And I, I, he slept downstairs and I slept on the couch and like would wake up if 
he needed anything, needed his meds. And um, anyway, it was just such a precious thing how the Lord worked through it and he received comfort and we were able to just come together as a family. And what do you want to say? I just, I want to tell a quick little story of something cool that happened with, with the, this kid's sunburn was major, major, major. I, I mean, it was two days after he got the sunburn that it started hurting like this to where he was screaming and said he'd never been in this kind of pain before. He, he kept saying, I want to die. It's hellfire. It's just, he's yelling. But we had to drive from Albion to Fort, Wirt, to Fort, Fort Bragg. Um, it's like 40 miles, 45 miles. Um, late at night with him, the whole way just yelling and crying and screaming. And, um, so Sierra, I, sorry, Karina, this one, my wife came. I, I was driving the van there and, um, she came and then one of our, one of our kids, Malachi, who actually lives up there, um, came with us in the van and uh, I would have had a car accident for sure if it wasn't for them being in there because of the nervousness of just hearing the kid yell and they were comforting him and uh and in about about 20 minutes into yeah this uh, into our trip to the hospital um Malachi we're, we're praying against witchcraft I and mean, we're praying all kinds of stuff because we we had a kind of weird experience during the day in a store there and um so we just wanted to make sure we're covering everything. And Malachi starts singing, there is power in the name of Jesus, you know. And we just started singing that in the car. And um, so we took him to emergency. When we got back late that night, we found out that the ones left behind were having a prayer meeting for, for, this, for this kid, Zephan. And, um, and uh, I was like, yeah, this is what we did on our trip there. We were, and I said, we started singing There's Power in the Name. And Misha goes, what? We were singing that too. And they were singing it 20 minutes after we left. We were all singing that same song at the same time. Isn't that cool? Out of all the songs. I just, just, anyway. Yeah, it was cool. Yay. These things, you know, that feel like, oh, man, why did that happen? And I, I just love how God works through it. And anyway, it's great. Gets, they don't. A lot of them aren't able to come on Saturday nights, and our kids kind of sometimes go to other churches. But I'm, I'm just, we're just like look at each other like, man, we are so blessed. And let me brag on Todd, and I know he doesn't like this, but, you know, just doing this for so long, and Tammy's been with us, and Misha, and, and sometimes you feel discouraged, and things might not look like, you know, what you thought, and um, and you just go through highs and lows, and Todd, you know, one day I told him, you've been doing this for 10 years, you've been youth pastoring longer than most people in this valley, and, you know, he's been told that when people ask him, you've been doing this how long? And, you know, youth ministry is is just so not a stepping stone. It's like, we are so passionate about this and be, um, Hey, give yourself a little pat because you've been so faithful for so long. Yeah. I know he hates that. And, um, so yeah, it's God's good. And, we're grateful and we feel very honored to get to pour into these kids' lives and see God move. And man, he's, he's just been doing some really deep emotional healing in our hearts and their hearts. And 
uh, I did not have that. Well, I wasn't even a Christian when I was a teenager, but to see young people want that, want healing, be aware of what's going on in their hearts, I'm like, okay, I was so unaware, but okay, and I learned so much from them, and yeah, it's good. So um, tonight I'm going to talk about um, ooh, mountains and valleys, and um, a little will be a little similar to um, what Brent talked about tagging on. He Last week he talked, he had a message that was so good called Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment, and it wrecked me, and it was so good. Um, so I've just been thinking about this, and I had a picture of Jesus uh, on a mountaintop, and he was, uh, I was just spending time with God, and, and so I had this picture of him kind of dancing on this mountaintop, and then he looked so joyful, and he was leaping, you know, like it says in Song of Solomon, leaping over mountains, and then just when I caught his eye, he slid down the mountain like it was this cool like a slide, like a slip and slide. He just slid down so effortlessly into this beautiful valley. And then he was there for a while. And then he kind of like, you know, he was all cool like Matrix. And he ran up the side of the mountain really fast. And then he went back down, smiling and beaming the whole time. And I was like, what is that? How cool, Jesus. And so he just started talking to me about this whole thing about mountains and valleys and how he, you know, if you look through the scriptures, he was so comfortable with being on the mountaintop just as much as he was going down, being with people in the valleys. And um, so I just want to talk about that tonight. And, um, you know, as much as we, I would love for my life to be like nice, clean, linear, organized, and tidy, and everything in its place, that's not that's boring and that's not how God works and um you know we have these highs and lows and that's the kingdom and that's that's just how Jesus moves and um it doesn't mean that we need to you know walk around and and not still hold our peace and not stay steady in the midst of all the chaos and of the lows and the pain but um it's about learning to follow uh, the rhythm of heaven and what Jesus is doing and how do we respond during these crazy times we're living in, their intense times, and what does that look like? What 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 is the times and seasons we're living in? What is our response? So I'm going to talk about that a little bit, and um, yeah. So um, this is Luke 6, verse 12. It says, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them. And it goes on. But um, So Jesus, you know, throughout the scriptures, whenever he wants to connect with the Father, he always goes to the mountain. And um, how does this work? Oh, so... These are some of Jesus's mountaintop experiences, and he he preaches the sermon on the mount. Some people say it was a plain, but anyway, the uh, the transfiguration is on a mountain. Uh, the temptation, so the devil takes Jesus and um, to every peak of every mountain, and 
and you know we know the story where he tempts him and Jesus in that place he is solidified in who he is and who the father is who God is for him and then Mount Zion can you guys see that oh yeah he rules for Mount Zion in Jerusalem and that's where his government is um, so but then there's also this, uh, the valley, and I like to call the low places. And so in Philippians 2, verse 6, um, 6 through 11, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." And that scripture wrecks me. He makes himself so low to be lifted high. And he models for us how to live as a believer. He, Jesus, you know, as I was just searching scriptures and how he makes his way down the mountain. It says he comes down the mountain to be with the leper. And he's not afraid to touch him. He goes into the valley. He touches the leper. And he, he's, he's not worried about Am I going to catch something? Where in the Old Testament, you know, if you touch a leper, you're unclean. I think Bill Johnson says this. In the New Testament, people become clean. So Jesus, he goes to the mountain to receive his identity and to connect with his father. And I love that. And then he climbs down to the lowest point. He shows us. He models for us. Let me go down to the lowest point to show you how to be with people in the valley, to be with those trapped in sickness, those in sin. I'm not going to stay up on this mountaintop and yell down and um, be high and mighty. I'm going to connect with Jesus, and then I'm going to show you how to get low and be with people. Yeah. Um, as Brent was talking about the woman caught in the act of adultery last week, I was getting so wrecked again. And he was talking about, you know, how the Pharisees, their plan was to shame her. They brought her out in the middle. Let's shame her in front of everyone. And um, it was just the way he communicated it in a different way that got to me. And I thought, yeah, Jesus, he did not yell down from the mountaintop to her. He's like, I'm going to get in the dirt. I'm going to you know, get up close and personal with her. And I'm going to show you as believers how to be with people, not yelling from this distant place, you know, how dare you, but up close and personal. And then, you know, we were reading this the other night with um, a group, and I was like, wow, I had never really thought about this, but how, you know, Jesus goes through this whole thing and, and he challenges the Pharisees and he's like, who of you, who, who of you have, are without sin? And then he says to her, go and sin no more. But so much of the time, you know, even myself included and I think believers, we, our jumping point is go and sin no more. 
Like, that's our stepping off point where we don't have the favor and we don't have the relationship. You know, if Jesus just started with go and sin no more, she probably wouldn't have been able to receive for him. But he he showed her, you know what, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to silence them. And I also care about your heart. So these are just things that God's been talking to me about lately and wrecking me. And uh, I so want to look like him on the earth. I so want to model this. And I want to encourage us, like, what? how do we love? How? What does real love look like? Like when Todd was singing, Jesus, you have such a beautiful heart. You have a beautiful heart. Like, what? how was your heart displayed on the earth when you bow down so low to be with people and you still do? And that, you know, that's the position I want. I don't want to yell at people from the mountaintop. I hope this is making a little bit of sense because... I kind of got this last minute, and I didn't really process a lot, so I'm just throwing it out there, and you could take whatever little bits you can digest. Okay. I guess I need words of encouragement. I always say, quality time and touch is my love language, but then when I do get words of encouragement, I'm like, oh, I guess I have words of encouragement, too. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. That's that's good. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, this whole idea that Jesus um, wasn't afraid to get messy and that he wasn't worried about what people thought of him and that he wasn't concerned, like, if I were to love this person and um, forgive them, that. I'll somehow look like I'm conforming to the world's way of doing things. And, um, gosh, I, I, I want that. I, um, I don't want to care what people think. You know, I have a lot of friends and family who are not believers and living lifestyles that most Christians aren't approving of. And I love them. They are, they are so dear to my heart and, there's been a few times where I've gotten some backlash and someone recently emailed me and was like, oh, you know, you, why are you doing that? Like, you can't conform to their ways. And I started to get really, I'm going to be honest, I got really upset. And um, I got to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, why are Christians like that? And, you know, I was kind of being almost a little bit like the Pharisee in a way, like I was getting upset like I Christians are awesome and it's just you know probably just a handful of people who still are wanting to really understand that um understand on a deeper deeper level you know but uh I get very protective I guess of um people that are very close to me that have been very um shamed by Christians um and it hurts a lot it hurts like it hurts like I want to stand in front of them and like take the bullets for them because it's so not okay. Like they have been the most faithful, loving people in my life. And um, to be told, you know, I'm not going to be your Facebook friend because of your lifestyle. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, it's my dad and he doesn't mind me sharing because we talk openly about this. But um, my dad is so near and dear to my heart. He's the best dad to me. And so proud of me, always encouraged. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for him. And um, 
you know, I was so proud of him because he kind of reached out to this person that disconnected from him because of his lifestyle and said, you know, my daughters and their families have loved me so well and they don't point their finger at me or judge me. And I was like, oh, it got to me. But um, it's because we love and we choose to be in relationship with people doesn't mean that we're, you know, we don't have strong beliefs about certain things, but it, I care more about my relationships than I do about needing to argue and be right, you know, and um, that's like secondary. So I wasn't even going to mention that, but I, I don't know, felt to share that. Um, you guys know Roger Valsey. He's like the, um, he's not like that. He is the like I've been around teenagers a lot. We say like a lot. And you know, like. He's like. No, he is the pastor of uh, Valley Christian. And he's he's so great. And um, he said this thing that really spoke to me. And he said, some, not all, some Christians believe that it's our job to tell people the truth and then to distance ourselves from their choices. That unless you change and come about to my way of thinking, I can't associate with you. Yikes. They tell people, I'll pray for you, meaning that I'll pray you see the light and that you change to my way of thinking. And until you do, I'm going to stand over here. And I, I, I know that even as angry as some of this stuff gets me. I know I've done that too. And I'm, I'm just as, as, um, guilty of that. And so I'm really checking my heart. I, it's about, there's this art to listening. And I was just, I was talking to someone the other day, like, I think hearing somebody's story is probably like one of my very top favorite things. Like when someone feels like they can I'm not just talking about, you know, Christians. I'm talking about unbelievers when they say, oh, you're safe enough and I want to tell you about my heart and I want to tell you about my life. That is such a sacred place. And, um, you know, getting to that place of listening not to get our point across or what am I going to say next or to argue, but listening to to understand where people are at and why they've chosen things. And, you know, instead of like, wow, why are you doing that? Looking at behaviors, it's... It's like when I just pause and take a minute to listen to really understand where someone's coming from and listen to, wow, you've really been through something. You really have some pain there. That's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't like point the finger and say, you know, you need to stop that. Look at what you're doing. But he, that's how he relates to me anyway. He's like, what's going on? You know, what did you forget about yourself? What, what are you looking for? And, um, so yeah, getting to that place where we really listen to understand. And then this, yeah, Jesus, he he didn't love us from a distance. He loves us up close. He loves unbelievers up close. And he loves them even before they change, while they're still in sin. He's not like, I'm going to distance myself. And then once you change, I'll draw closer to you. And this is this is our model. This is how we are to live. It's scary stuff. I I have to be honest. Sometimes it doesn't feel so comfortable, but it's how it's it's just like coming up a little higher. Um, you know, I was thinking too about how um, 
a lot of times we're more concerned with um, convincing people that what they're doing, their lifestyle is wrong than convincing them of the love of God. And that's a problem. Like, we have got to convince people of the love of God. It is the love of God that leads people to repentance. And I am so preaching to the choir. I know that. <laughs> but I have got to remind myself. And, you know, it's like, oh, I was here as an 18-year-old, completely lost, suicidal, broken, depressed. And then I was here. You know, I went to church and Jesus met me, and then somehow it's so easy to like, okay, I'm here now, so you, but it's like, oh my goodness, how the mercy, the grace of God that drew me in, and how we need to come back to that place over and over and remember, Jesus, look what you saved me from. You've come to save them from that same thing, not not for us to to convince them that what they're doing is wrong. Convince them of the love of God. The, um, this is what the Pharisees were so angry about. They were like, you love too much, Jesus. You love too much, and why are you offering salvation for everyone? Like, salvation for all? Yes, all. And um, But, you know, the nature of the enemy is exclusion. You don't belong. You are on the outside looking in. But the nature of Jesus is what? It's inclusion. It's the complete opposite. He includes everyone, whether they are a believer or not. He's like, come on, you're in. You're not um, to be shamed. You're not to be put in the middle like the woman caught in the act of adultery. You're in. So um, I think um, this whole mountain, like navigating the mountains and the valleys that um, I was thinking about it. A lot of times, sometimes staying up here on the mountain is safer. And, it, you know, it's less risky. Because if I can stay up here and I can just yell down from the mountain, I'm not going to get dirty. I'm not going to get messy. Um, and then there's this whole thing that if I choose to go down to the valley, into the pit, then that person could require something of me that I don't think I have in me to give. And that has come up for me before, like, I'm just going to dance up here on the mountain and hide down there, you know, when I have been down there lots of times. Because if I go down there with you, then what's that going to take for me? Is that going to take too much? Am I, I'm not going to have what you need. But it's all about pointing them to Jesus. It's all about being with them. And the times people have just been with me, didn't have the answers, didn't even necessarily pray for me. I got so much breakthrough and healing because I knew I wasn't alone. And so that's really all it is, is just being being with people. And Russ and Susan teach us that so well and do that so well for my heart. I'm grateful and so many others. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, when we make a person or a group of people the enemy, which I've done, and, you know, I think it's sometimes easy to do to think I'm here and you're there. Um, that becomes such a problem because then it's like we're putting a wall and there's no place to have relationship. There's no place for me to speak into your life. And um, I'm, I don't know. I'm like discovering more and more like I don't think I have enemies. 
And, you know, I, I know there's people that probably don't like me or whatever. That's fine. But I don't, I don't know. I've just been wrestling with this. Like, as far as people go, I don't, I don't ever want, I don't consider anyone my enemy. Even, um, and I've shared this before, you know, as a teenager, I was raped. I don't consider the man who raped me my enemy. Like, I, that took a long time to get there. And I'm not saying that that anyone, everyone can do that and that you should. I mean, forgiveness, it takes a lot to work through those things. But more and more I'm discovering, you know, who, who's my real enemy? And it's not people. So anyway, I'm still working through this stuff. And I know David talked a lot about enemies and all that. So this is just stuff I'm, I'm working through and talking to God about. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to share a story. Um, the, I think I've shared this before. I might have shared it a few times, but I'm going to share it again because it's one of my favorite stories. But um, I was uh, went into this school where we talk um, about looking for signs of violence with young people, with teenagers at a high school. And we talk about human trafficking and looking for the risks of that, you know, in the more um, at-risk areas, Oakland and Hayward. You know, it's happening everywhere, but it's just a passion of mine. So this is um, an organization I was volunteering with. And one of the girls, a survivor, she was sharing. Um, so in the uh, the auditorium, the kids kind of sit, like, you know, all around on the bleachers, how they do, and then um, for their assembly, um, we were in the middle sharing and talking. And and so we had three girls who were survivors, and they were sharing their story. And how scary is that? And they were sharing about the pain and how um, they were rescued. And, and as they were sharing, um, there's a group of teenage boys who are mocking them. And they were um, yelling at them and calling them the most, the hor- most horrible names and laughing and pointing at them. The mama bear in me was furious, of course. I was very angry, and I was trying to silence them. They weren't listening. They were just going to do their own thing. And I, I was so upset. And, you know, like my heart has, has always been like for the survivor and all that, and to see them restored and... Um, so afterwards, uh, I see the young man, and I want to strangle him, <laughs> to be honest, being totally honest, and tell him, how dare you? Do you know what these took for these girls to share this, the vulnerability and the courage? <sighs> and then God just, like, totally washed over me, and he started speaking to my heart and tenderizing and softening my heart for this young man. Believe me, I did not want my heart to be softened at that point. I wanted to give him a what for, you know. And so I stop him, and he looks very startled because he knows I'm on the team, and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And I just look at him, and I say, you know what? You are such an amazing young man. Like, you, I know one day you are going to treat women with the utmost respect and honor that they deserve, and you have something very, very special. And I believe in you. 
And um, it was not me. Believe me, it was totally the Holy Spirit, Father God talking to this young man. And he looked at me like, you know, he had never heard those words. Somebody saying, I believe in you. And I see this is not who you are. And I know you didn't mean to treat those girls that way. And he starts, you know, little tears coming down. And uh, that was probably one of the best moments of my life, I think. As much as, you know, I feel like, gosh, I'm so, um, my, my call and my passion is to help survivors. And God's like, you know what? These perpetrators, these guys, these young men, they want to be pimps. That's their goal. This, I love those guys too, and they're hurting just as much. They just need someone to love them and tell them that, you know, I believe in you. It wrecked me. And even... Yeah. yeah. Anyway... I just feel like God is calling us higher. And things are intense in this world, and there's a lot of icky stuff happening. And God is not surprised by any of it. That's the thing, is we are so surprised. Like, I can't believe that law passed. I can't believe this is happening. And God on the throne isn't surprised. How is that? And so we're human. We live on this earth. There's lots of suffering. But what is our response? What What is he calling us to? And who is our, who's our real enemy? Um, Ephesians 6. I've been reading this a lot. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So it's so important that we know who our enemy is. And our enemy, most of the time, is not people. They're, people are not our enemies. It may seem like that, but it's a spirit. And so the more we can get to a place of, you know what, it's not us and them. It's really not. These walls that divide, that is, that's nothing to you, Jesus. We are one in the spirit. And, and that is how you're going to have favor with people and be able to listen to their story and reach them where they're at. And just... <clears throat> Cut those walls down. So this, I feel like I'm kind of going off in different directions, but I think this is what what I'm really wanting to say is it's important we know when we get perspective and get up on the mountain and when we go down, when we need to go down to the valley, not just with people but with our own hearts where things are hard. And God is here in our valleys. And, uh, yeah guys doing good okay this is psalm 139 verse 7 and i love this it says i can never escape from your spirit i can never get away from your presence if i go up to heaven you are there if i go down to the grave you are there if i ride the wings of the morning if i dwell by the farthest oceans even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day, and darkness and light are the same to you. He's there. He's there in the highs. He's there in the deepest, darkest valley of our hearts, in the deepest, darkest pit. He's there. He's there. 
And I think that's, you know, where we, a lot of times I struggle like Jesus. I feel shame. Like I'm down here in this pit. I know you're in the high, but are you with me there? And he has proven over and over, I'm there with you. Um, I'm not going to give away the, uh, the movie, but this movie Inside Out, you guys should totally go see it. It's so good. It's a Pixar movie, but, um, so much of like, you know, what we talk about in our family about feelings and validating these feelings. And it's so good, but, um, I won't give it away, but the main character, when the main character realizes and acknowledges the pain and sorrow that she felt, like that's when she felt connection with her, her parents and when she felt real joy. And so it's like these highs and lows and how they weave in and out and how we, we, we really do need those lows sometime to get to the highs. And it's all just kind of like this dance and it's okay that there's that tension. It's, you know, the, I think I call it like the valley of my heart, the valley of, of our hearts. It's like this mysterious place and it can feel like isolating sometimes, but it, it is that place that you really, we experience connection with Jesus and we can, we experience healing and comfort. That's the place we receive comfort and, um, choosing, getting courage to look at those difficult things and invite Jesus to, to be present with us in the valleys as much as he is in our mountains. So I look, God is in the messy part of our lives and, um, I wrote, we, we chase after, you know, what we think perfection is and we find ourselves disappointed most of the time because we have this idea of what a perfect life is supposed to look like. But God has called us to jump in and participate in the, what the beauty of an, an imperfect life. And, um, you know, things are not always going to go like we planned. It's like this trip to the Lord's land, you know, every time, you know, the last night, Misha and I, we lay in bed before we go to sleep, and we say, ah, this is so awesome, all these things happen, and nobody went to the ER, and blah, 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 and then the last night, we're like, oh, yeah, we can say that this time, but you know what? Jesus was so in that, and he worked through it, and it was hard, but, man, it's like experiencing that low to get get that high of connection and new friendships and all that stuff. And I'm not going to point this person out, even though I keep staring at them, uh, being very obvious. You know, mine, we didn't talk about this before, and he's great. That's Zephan, and he's awesome, sweet young man. <laughs> Love that guy. The heart of gold. Um, so he's in the messy parts and, um, just, you know, uh, we do this, we have this thing back to our, our trips on the Lord's land. We, we send the kids off and we want them to go and, uh, spend time with Jesus and give them like an hour and a half and just connect with God. And this time, well, it happens several, you know, happens other times, but this time a few of the kids came to me and they're like, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. Like, I don't know what to expect. And I'm like, I know it's okay. So we, we give them this encouraging talk and tell them, you know, 
we just pray for courage to be with Jesus. And, you know, if he brings up something hard, he's going to meet you there. And you can do this and, and all that good stuff. And asking Jesus if there's a wall that's kind of protecting them from, you know, really going there with him and dealing with the wall and why it's there. And uh, so, uh, you know, I can pray that and do that. And then I go upstairs to uh, get ready to go off and spend time with Jesus. And I I say to Misha, I don't want to do this at all. I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> give this pep talk. But honestly, I don't want, I don't want to. Like, so I go off and spend time with God. And I think, okay, I just don't want to do anything hard. I'm a leader. I have to stay strong and don't have time to come undone and unravel like it's good for them but I don't need all that whatever and uh so I go off into my old place and I'm like oh yeah I'm just gonna stay up here on the mountaintop and let's just maybe the 24 elders will show up or like something heavenly realms and all that and no like Jesus takes me to, like, some stuff I need to deal with. And, um, ah, okay. So, you know, I start writing down journaling and, like, the, writing down a list of feelings that I have not been in touch with and I have not even given myself permission to feel. And I'm like, what? What are all these these feelings that, you know, and, like, shame that I even have these feelings? So I'm just writing this list. And then... I look out into a clearing into the meadow and I see Jesus and he's kneeling down and I'm wondering, how are you going to deal with all these feelings that are coming up for me that I am not very uh, proud of and I don't even know how to feel them. I don't know how to process them. And then I see um, this long line start forming in front of him. And I look closer, and it's me. And it's me as a little baby, and little Karina at a two and five, and teenager and adult, all lined up. And then I'm kind of on the outside looking in a little bit, even though it's me. And I know it might sound odd, but this is what Jesus does. And you don't have to question it sometimes. Uh, so... I don't really know what they're saying to him, but I see them, the little ones, like expressing some deep pain and emotion. And some of them are whispering into Jesus's ear and telling him a story. And some of them are taking longer than other ones because they needed time to really be with him and process some things. And once each little, once each little me, whatever shared with him and they're sitting in his knee and they would hug and then they kind of he enveloped them it's like i went inside of him and it was like swallowed up into his love and uh, i was a mess and um that's you know so i just i just felt this release like there was just parts of me locked up in pain that i hadn't shared before that i was able to give to jesus and that was a high for me, you know, but if it's like this low, like going to this hard place I don't want to go. And so much of the time when I think about just different points in my life that are highlights for me, like with that young man and with my own kids, like 
comforting them and holding them when things are hard, like those are my highs. Those are my mountaintop experiences where there was like, though, like, gosh, so much pain, but Jesus flips it all. And it's like, oh, so just to encourage you, it's going to be okay. You're going to finish. Finish well. They had their VBS here this week. That's why there's all these cute little things and, you know, prophetic stuff, I guess. Cool. Todd, yours is the best I've ever heard, like a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's you. Um, So Jesus knew when to go to the mountain, and he also knew when to go down. And so we're just learning to follow him and navigate with him. When when do I need to go up? When do I need to go down? It's it's like it's a dance, and he's the lion and he's the lamb. It's not one or both. It's it's both of them are needed, and that's. That's the beauty of Jesus is he's, he's both. So God weaves our highs and lows into this dance. And that's the other thing I want to uh, just talk about for a minute is just that's the heart of justice for in the earth, how God is going to execute justice in the earth, but also in our own hearts. That's the heart of justice is this, this dance of highs and lows and how he, he just forms it into this beautiful thing, this beauty from ashes. Um, I love justice. I love that word. And, um, I think I talked about it a while back, but for me, justice, um, I have the, I define it as it's the restoration of everything that would violate love. And it, it takes the wrong and makes it right. It's Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It's, it's justices, not just some, but all mankind fully reconciled, whole, delivered, and, um, in communion with Jesus, that's that's justice. What He bought and paid for, and um, so I encourage you once again to listen to Brent's message from last week, and some of this will tie in together. But um, so, little car, um, I have this little saying that I say that mercy is the fuel and justice is the vehicle. So we we need both. Like mercy is is Jesus meeting us in that place, in that low place. And pouring out compassion and us doing that for others, pouring out people in this, this place, meeting people where they're at. And then justice is Jesus's perspective from the mountaintop. He sees it all. He knows, um, how this is going to all end. He knows the injustice in the earth and he stands on the mountaintop and then he climbs down low and he's with and then he goes up and he reminds us, stay up there. You need both. You need mercy and you need justice. You need compassion in order to, um, in order th- for things to change, in order for all wrongs to be made right. We need both. It's not one or the other. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I might pray in a minute. Maybe we'll end early and you guys get to go home early. Todd's saying yes. Yeah. Um, Jesus is working this in my heart, and I know that it's um, it's just so important to uh, to get back to that place of of needing Him, 
and then getting perspective and um and just following holy spirit it's like it's a rhythm it's a dance and um you know i think we all have holy spirit living on the inside of us and it's just following his leading where are you going just like he did where he showed me he's up on this mountain and then i'm going to go down low i'm going to be with people so paying attention to our own hearts like this high is really great i'm good and but i feel like you i feel like you're this is a season where you're bringing up some pain and i'm going to choose to go down there with you because i know that that valley is going to end up being a mountaintop you know when when we experience connection there it's it's not going to stay there forever we're not meant the same as we have a hard time leaving the mountain because it's safer up here sometimes we have a hard time leaving the valley so i want to encourage you you know this valley is not meant to to be a place where we build our home or our refuge it's a place that we go and that we visit and jesus meets us there but um you're not we're not victims we're not stuck we're not this is not our place we we were meant to to be on the mountaintop to um execute justice to bring solutions to um get perspective to connect with the father so i'm going to pray for you and uh you guys are fun i love looking out at your beautiful faces and just seeing how um how you each carry something so unique and so sometimes i get a little distracted as i'm sharing because i think oh i want to say hi to that person and they're so great and i love how they carry this and that and we just need more time together so we might be done a little early and we'll be able to do that so um yeah let's just go ahead and pray and oh todd i kind of mentioned you maybe playing towards the end so um todd's gonna start playing a little bit in a little while i pray and uh i think we're gonna we're gonna end with uh some worship or sierra if you want to excuse us for a moment <laughs> if you want to I know you got to work early in the morning if you need to go home. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're going to end with that. And then um, I'm being so informal. Do we have people to pray tonight? Prayer teams? Okay. So we'll, we'll have, uh, if there's people, to, we're going to have prayer teams over here. And, but we're going to also have time to just soak and uh, worship and connect with Jesus. Okay? And buy Joel's cookies. They're yummy. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, just let's put our hands on our heart. Jesus, you are king of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. You are beautiful, and you have such a beautiful heart, Jesus. The most beautiful heart we could ever commune with or come in contact with. Jesus, I ask that your presence would increase. I just feel like there's just an increase in this place of um, of so many things, so many levels of just the angelic, of provision for our hearts, provision in the natural. And so we thank you. We just step into the increase right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the increase. Thank you for expanding our hearts. And I pray, Jesus, that you would give each of us more courage to go to the valleys, the valley of our hearts where there's pain. Give us courage, Jesus. The valleys um, 
where we meet people that need you, Jesus. I thank you that all we need is your love. You have the answers. You carry the answers. You convict people of their sin and lifestyle, Jesus. Give us courage to meet people different from us in their valley, God, to listen to their heart, Jesus, and to know the rhythm of heaven, what you're doing, what you're, how your dance looks like, Jesus, and the dance for our own lives. We just ask for increased sensitivity to the Spirit, to know the times and seasons we're living in, where you've placed us, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I ask Jesus where um, fear has maybe prevented us from closer relationships that we know, Jesus, you put in our lives, that you would give us boldness to love like you love Jesus, your beautiful heart that you deposited on the inside of us, that we would step into that, God. We just, we pray for justice for all. We don't want it just for us, Jesus. We want justice for all mankind, those that don't know you, that they would come face to face with you, Jesus. Justice for our family members and our friends who are lost. Thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. And you're faithful to our hearts. And so I I pray for justice for our hearts. That we would be whole, complete in you. Where there's just been chaos and the enemy has come to steal and destroy places of our hearts. Jesus, would you come with your loving kindness, your tender mercy, and your justice on the inside of us. Fully reconciled to you, fully whole, complete shalom on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. We choose you. We choose you, Jesus. We choose to follow you. Thank you for increase in your, of your presence in this place as we worship Todd's going to do some worship. Feel free to soak. And if um, maybe in a few minutes, the prayer team's going to come up and be over here on the side and pray for you. Love you guys. Just This is just a charge to love more, to love, just take this even further. And you guys are doing so great. So we're doing this together. Amen.